Tonight's scripture will be taken from Psalms chapter 55, verse 22. Psalms 55, 22. Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteousness to be moved. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service tonight. We're glad that you're here. We're going to be looking at Psalm 55 in just a moment. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have this evening to assemble back, to worship God in spirit and in truth. We're very thankful for the numerous visitors that come our way. We've had a great day today, and we want to encourage those who may be visiting tonight to come back to be with us again. And as we always say, if you're looking for a church home, we want you to know that we would love to have you come and join hands with us as we do our best to be the New Testament church and to make known Christ in this community. We're going to be looking tonight at Psalm 55, as I said just a moment ago, the passage that was read a moment ago. In looking at Psalm 55, it becomes very apparent that David was burdened in life. And by way of reflection, when you go back and look at many of the Psalms, you'll find that David and some of the other writers faced unbelievable circumstances in life. They found themselves distraught, depressed, in despair, and yet they turned to God. There are times in life when we face any number of burdens and burdens come in many shapes and forms. And David, I believe, provides us with some wise counsel on how to handle the burdens of life. In verse 22, he said, cast your burden on the Lord. And the promise is, he will sustain you. And so tonight in our study, we want to look at Psalm 55 and think for a minute or two about casting our burdens on the Lord. And as we look at this particular psalm, I want to begin by talking about the despair of King David. And let me just say this before we get started as it relates to this point. I think sometimes when we look back at some of the great characters of Scripture, people like Abraham, David, and others, we have the idea that they were spiritual giants immune to heartache and problems. Add to that trials and temptations. And yet when you look at the scriptures, you find that God in his wisdom has seen fit to provide us with an array of circumstances in the lives of some of his greatest servants. And so when you begin to look at some of these great men and women of God in the Old and New Testaments, what you'll find out is that they were human beings just like we're human beings. And they had to face heartaches and trials and temptations in life just like we have to face those same things. And yet with the help of God, they made it through times of difficulty. It's my conviction that with the help of God, we too can make it through whatever burdens come our way in this life. So we begin by looking at the despair of King David. When you read this psalm, one of the things that strikes you, ought to strike you, is the hurt of David. David is deeply cut or deeply hurt 
as he reflects upon the circumstances before him. And so, as we think about his despair and hurt, let me begin by calling attention to David as he catalogs his emotions. In verses 1 through 5, he describes his emotional state. He begins by talking about his agitation, and then in verses 4 and 5, he speaks of his anguish. Listen to what he says. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. Here you are garnered insight into the mental state and duress of King David. And David is severely hurt. He is extremely overwhelmed with emotion. But then there's a second thing I want you to see, and that is his emotional state is a result of his enemies. And David characterizes his enemies. Let me just call attention to verse 3. In verse 3, again, David speaks of his enemy, and he said that his enemy hated him. And so we think about the hatred of the enemy. He said they bring, they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. Here's the interesting part about the circumstances David found himself in. The enemy was somebody that had been very close to him. It had been a close companion. And we go back and we look at, at the Old Testament and we think about a number of individuals that no doubt had problems with David. I think about King Saul. And then his own child, Absalom. You remember Absalom stole the hearts of the children of Israel. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, the Bible talks about how there was a great conspiracy against David. And guess who led the charge? Absalom did. And they were increasing in number. That is, the followers of Absalom were continually increasing in number against the king. And so first of all, he said that with regard to his enemy, that he hated him. And then secondly, he speaks of the hypocrisy of his enemy. Before we look at the hypocrisy of his enemy, drop down and look with me, if you would, at verse 12. In verse 12, he said, It's not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has magnified himself against me, then I could hide from him. He said, But it was you, a man my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. He said, We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. You know, sometimes we think about individuals that have done us wrong. And there are times when acquaintances and people that we work with or go to school with will, for whatever reason, turn against us and do us wrong. But here's somebody very, very close to David. I tend to think that it very well may have been his own son, Absalom. And so there is this blood relationship that exists between the two. 
And yet Absalom sought to steal the kingdom from him and undermine him. And then drop down and note, if you would, the hypocrisy of his enemy. In verse 20, he said, He has put forth his hands against me, those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. Now look at verse 21. He said, The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Sometimes people will speak kindly and graciously face to face with you. And then as soon as you are out of their presence, what will they do? They'll stick you right in the back, won't they? And that's really the circumstances that King David found himself in. He said, oh, face to face, everything's great. But when I'm out of his presence, he's seeking to undermine me. And he says, just listening to him, you would think that what? We have a great relationship. But he said war was, war was in his heart. His enemy sought to bring him down. There's a second thing I want you to see in our study tonight. And that is the desire of King David. His hope. First of all, I want you to consider with me his thoughts of escape. Sometimes when life is swirling and problems are mounting and trials and tribulations are coming our way, we typically think about trying to what? We try to escape, don't we? So listen to what David said, beginning in verse 6. In verse 6 he said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, he said, I would wander far off. And remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. David describes his situation as a windy storm and tempest. And really what he's saying is if he could, if he could at all possible remove himself from this situation, that's exactly what he would do. What he wanted to do was fly away or flee away. Let me ask this question. Sometimes when life is at a breaking point, when the burdens are mounting in your life, you ever think about just trying to get away for a little while? Remove yourself from the storm? You ever thought about how great it would be to just fly away, to flee away, to just get lost somewhere? Well, if your answer is yes, you're not alone. Many of us have felt like that. Sometimes when the problems of life are weighing heavily upon us, what we want to do is escape. And that's what David wanted to do. I said a moment ago that when you look at David and Abraham and some of the other great characters of Scripture and you begin to look into their mental state, you find out that they weren't much different from us. Matter of fact, they have a lot. They had a lot in common with us. Why? Because they were human beings, just as we are human beings. So David wanted to fly away, he wanted to flee away. But then he turns his thoughts toward the enemy. And as we think about his thoughts of escape and his thoughts about the enemy, I want to say this. We're going to talk in just a minute about how to escape the burdens of life. In verses 9 through 11, David begins talking about the enemy in a very forthright way. 
And what he wants God to do is to deal with the enemy. Now, there are certain sections of the Psalms that are typically called the imprecatory Psalms. And the idea is that the psalmist is calling for justice, the justice of God. He is looking for God to step in and avenge him of his enemy. And so David here speaks of his enemy. And I think David, if you read the psalm, you'll find out that David understood that the enemy wasn't going to change his heart. He wasn't going to change his mind. So beginning in verse 9, here's what David said. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I've seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in its midst. Deceit and guile do not depart from its streets. And then look at verse 15. He said, let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Verse 25. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. When it's all said and done, when it's all said and done in life, who's going to balance the scales and exact justice? God is, isn't he? God tells us that we're not to take vengeance into our own hands. Over and over again, the scriptures talk about that. But rather, we are to allow God in his good time to take care of things, and he will. And I believe when you look at, at David and some of the other writers of the Psalms and you think about some of the enemies that were mounting against them, you have to understand, God, would, God was going to take care of them in his own good time. He'll do the same today. Whoever's against us, if we're wronged or whatever, listen, leave it in the hands of God. He has the ability and the power to take care of it. Now the third thing I want you to see in our study tonight, the deliverance of King David. Here we have his help. When I think about the life of David and some of the things that he, that he underwent in this life or in his life, I see that David had a lot of good times and he had some bad times. He had his share of persecutions, his, his share of trials and tribulations. He succumbed to temptation. He saw a wide range of things in this life. But think about this. When times are tough, when we are under duress and feel like we are discouraged, wouldn't it be bleak if there were no help? I mean, can you imagine going through life weighed down by innumerable burdens with no hope, no help on the horizon? What you have to understand is David had somebody that would help him. The same person that helped David will help you. And that was God. So we talk about his prayerfulness to God. Here's David. He has poured out his heart to Almighty God. What he's going to do is pray to Jehovah God. Now go back and look at verse 1. In verse 1, David said, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me. And then listen to what he says. And hear me. What is it David wants? He wants God to give him his undivided attention. 
when we have problems or burdens in life, is it not the case that from our perspective or our vantage point, that our burdens, our problems are more important than everyone else's? Now, maybe sometimes we don't look at things that way. But what David is saying in this psalm is, God, please hear me. Listen to me. Do we have the assurance that God will listen to us, that he'll hear us? Absolutely. We don't have to worry about that. When you bow in prayer to Almighty God, you don't have to question whether or not God is listening. Because as a child, as a child of God, that is one of the great spiritual blessings that God has bestowed on you. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. Solomon, the son of David, said the prayer of the upright is his delight. That is, it is God's delight. God delights in hearing from his children. And when they're burdened, you better believe he delights in hearing from his children. So here's what he said. Dropping down to verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud. And he shall hear my voice. David trusted in prayer, didn't he? Do you trust in prayer? Do you believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe that prayer has the power to help you under the various circumstances of life? Here's what James said in chapter 5, verse 16. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. All James is saying is, look, prayer works. Why does it work? Because Almighty God is on his throne and he is listening to our prayers. And he is at work in our lives. I think sometimes people have the misunderstanding that God is unconcerned and unmoved by their problems. Sometimes even Christians have the idea that God is too busy to help them in times of need. That's not the case. David believed, number one, God would save him, and number two, that God would sustain him. Listen again to what he said, evening and morning and, and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. And then drop down and look at verse 20, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. In Psalm 46, the psalmist said, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Listen to what he says in Psalm 56, beginning in verse 8. He said, you number my wanderings. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. Now listen to what he says. This I know because God is for me. So here's David. And David is saying God is mindful of his tears and that God is on his side. The songs that we had the opportunity to sing together tonight emphasized Turning to God. Why? Because he cares. 
Whatever the burden, whatever the problem, whatever the heartache, God cares. He has always cared. He will always care. There are two things I want you to, I want you to think about for just a minute. Number one, God will not forget his people. Think about that. God is not going to forget his people. Has God ever forgotten his people? Absolutely not. You can go back and you can begin reading in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis and you can go forward to the Revelation. And time and again you will see God involved in the affairs of his people. When times were tough, when difficulties were mounting in the lives of his people, God was right there with them. God never forgot them. Read the lives, read about the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Read about Daniel. Read about Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and some of the other great prophets of God. Look at the New Testament and read about the trials and the tribulations of the early church. And guess what? God was right there with his people. God did not forget his people. And God will not forget his people. There's a second thing. Not only will God not forget his people, he will not fail his people. There are, some, there are times in life when people will fail us. They promise to do this or that. They, they will assure us that they'll stand by us. They'll be there for us. They'll help us any way they can. And then what happens? Problems come. The trials of life escalate. The burdens are mounting. And where is everyone? They're gone. No one's there. What happens? They fail us. And I believe that what David and what the other writers of Scripture are saying is, look, God will not fail his people. God will never fail his people. There are a lot of passages of Scripture that ought to bring us hope and comfort. One of the, I think one of the hallmark passages is found in 2 Timothy chapter 4. When Paul said on one occasion, at my first defense, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. He said, I pray God that it won't be laid to their charge. He went on to say, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. You see, God doesn't fail his people. He doesn't forget about his people. Look at Paul, in and out of prison, troubles galore. And yet, where was the Lord? Right there beside him. Remember the words of the Hebrew writer when the Hebrew writer said, speaking on behalf of God, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What was David saying? David was saying, I have a helper. And that helper is Almighty God. So David's prayerfulness to God. And then there's a second thing I want you to see in our study tonight, and that is David's peacefulness in God. Look at verse 18. In verse 18, David said, He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle which was against me, for there were many against me. David found peace in God. Is it not the case today that we can find peace in God? 
Now, just a moment ago, I talked about David's thoughts of escape. And I said that David wanted to fly away, wanted to flee away. And sometimes that's how we feel in the midst of burdens or trials. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about those that demonstrate lives of piety so that they might be seen by men. And he said they have their reward. They do things externally so that people will look at them and talk about what a great godly person they are. But in verse 6, he talked about prayer. And he said, when you pray, go into your house and shut the door. And he said, your father who sees in secret. Now let's just pause there. David prayed to God, didn't he? David said, evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud. When we go to God in prayer, sometimes we want to escape. We want to somehow withdraw from what's around us. Here's how we do that. Find a solitary place. Get off by yourself somewhere. Maybe go home. Maybe take a drive, whatever. Find a solitary place where it's just you and God. And as Jesus said, you go in your house, you shut the door, and you pray to God in secret. You're all alone. You're all alone with God, the God who has the ability and power to help you with your burdens. Now, when we do that, we escape in a sense from what's going on around us. And there is a measure of peace afforded us. I want you to turn with me for just a minute because I want you to read this with me. In Philippians chapter 4, there is a tremendous passage of Scripture, and rather than quote it, I want to read it together. Because I want the words to sink deeply into our hearts. In verse 5, Paul says to the church at Philippi, Let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. In other words, the Lord's close by. You got burdens in life, the Lord is close by. In verse 6 he said, be anxious for nothing. That is, don't worry. Don't be filled with anxiety. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now look at verse 7. In verse 7... Paul said, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul here is saying that when you turn to God in prayer, with your anxieties and worries and troubles and trials and tribulations and burdens, what can you expect? It's right there in verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Now drop down and look at verse 13. Sometimes we ask the question, how in the world are we going to make it another day? Things are, are dark and dreary and gloomy. I just don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. I'm weak, I'm in despair, I'm discouraged, I feel like giving up. Is there a source of strength? Listen to what Paul said. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then sometimes we ask the question, is God able to supply me with the things that I need in this life when I am, when I am upside down in trouble? when I am under duress, when I'm facing trials and burdens and tribulations, is it possible for Almighty God to intervene on my behalf and give me the things that I need? Verse 19, and my God. Note the personal touch there. Paul said, and my God shall supply all, A-L-L, all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Does God know what I need in life? Does God, does God truly understand the burdens that I'm facing in this life? Can he really understand my poor health, my diseased body, the persecutions that I'm facing, the trials that I'm undergoing, the tribulations that I have, the financial problems that I have? Can he understand the answer is yes, he can understand. The second question is, does he care? What did we sing a moment ago? We sang about Jesus Christ and the fact that he cares. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. David said, cast your burden on the Lord. And what did he promise to do? He said, he will sustain you. 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 7, here's what Peter said, and what Peter said is a New Testament commentary on what David said. And what Peter said was this, casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Now think about that. Casting all, A-L-L, -L, your cares on him. What did Paul say in Philippians 4, 19? And my God shall supply all, A-L-L. -L. He will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So, what, what should we take from this lesson? You got burdens in life? Cast them on the Lord. Sometimes we'll face a number of circumstances and situations in life. And there are times in life, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. There are times in life when we face situations and we don't really know what to do. We don't know where to turn. And sometimes we'll ask people, what do you think I ought to do? How do you think I ought to handle this? Let me give you some scriptural advice on handling the burdens that you face in this life. Here it is. Cast them on the Lord because he'll sustain you. That's what the Bible says. If you'll do that, if we'll do that, I believe God will bless our lives. You see, God wants us to trust him. 
He wants us to trust him in good times and bad times. He wants us to trust him when the sun is shining and when the rain is coming down. God wants us to trust him come what may. You read about the life of David and that's what you find out. That life in service to God is about trust. It's about walking in faith. Paul said we walk by faith and not by sight. So, where are you tonight, spiritually speaking? What's your relationship to the Lord? I said last week in a study, I don't know how people make it in life without the Lord, and I really don't. I have been blessed immeasurably in my life. My family, we've been blessed. And there are lots of folks in our world today, they have had tough, tough lives. And we've had our ups and downs just like everybody else. We've had our problems just like everybody else. But we've been blessed. And fortunately, we have not faced catastrophic losses like some people have. If we were to face catastrophic losses, my hope and prayer is that we would cast our burdens on the Lord. My hope and prayer is that we would never turn from God. Because you see, God is there in the good times and the bad times. I don't know how people make it in life without God. Life can turn on a dime. Things can be going great, and the next thing you know, the wheels have come off, and everything's going downhill. But if you know that God is in your corner, you've got the strongest and best ally known to man. There's not a greater friend. What's the song we sing? I have a friend in Jesus. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian and you want to begin a life of faith, why not begin by obeying the gospel? Why not begin tonight by putting your faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God? If you're going to become a child of God, you've got to, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. And then the Bible says you must repent, Acts 2, 38. You need to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God, Acts 8, 37. And then... You must be born again, John chapter 3, verses 3 and 5. That is, you need to be baptized into Christ so that, the, so that your sins might be washed away, Acts twenty-two sixteen. If you'll do that, God will put you in his family. And if you're faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. One day this life's going to be over with, and that means all of our trials and tribulations and burdens will be behind us. And we will be at home with the Lord. Whatever we face in this life, whatever trials and tribulations and burdens we face, will pale in comparison to our victory in heaven. If you're unfaithful, I encourage you tonight, come home. Let us pray with you and for you. God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.